We are in Yevamos Chof Aleph Omer Aleph 21A2 in the Archgirl Gemara. We are beginning a new topic. Uh, the topic is about Shnios Larayos. We had the Mishnah. The Mishnah explained, they described the case of of Iser Mitzvah, referring to Shnios Larayos, that there are rabbinic decrees, rabbinic prohibitions that they instituted that are considered on a rabbinic level to be incest, uh, to be prohibitions because you are related, uh, it is a family relation. And so even though on a Torah level they said that it's fine, that you're allowed to, you're allowed to marry each other, on a rabbinic level they said that there is a prohibition. And so in the coming recordings we're going to uh, discuss exactly what they, what what were the different family relationships which are prohibited on a rabbinic level. But for this recording, and the Gemara at first uh, wants to know what the source is. What is the source for a hint for this idea in the Torah that there were, that the Chazal, that the rabbis, uh, were allowed to create such prohibitions? So Amar Rava, Rava says, Remez l'shniyos menator minayin. What is the source or the remez, the allusion to the concept that there is uh, that there is uh, rabbinic prohibitions of incest. That on a Torah level it is allowed, but there's a rabbinic prohibition of incest. Now the whole concept of a, of, a, of an illusion is a is an it's a bit of a strange question. Yeah, that the rabbis have the right to uh, institute laws. We know that the rabbis have the right to institute various laws, and we're also going to discuss this further in greater detail as we go through this Gemara. Uh, but it might be asking, what's the source in the sense that, uh, where is there a hint to it? Maybe the, what, there's a what we call an asmachta, that there's some sort of hint to it in the Torah, even though they don't really need a hint to it in the Torah. It's just, what, what illusion do we have um, to this idea in the Torah, even though it's not really necessary? That's one option. However, the Rambam, Maimonides, he says that it's actually a, a bit more than that. The Rambam says that this is a bit stronger than a regular rabbinic law. This is what we call Divrei Kabbalah, that it's sourced and rooted in the Torah and the Nevi'im, and as such, it, it takes on more stringencies than a normal rabbinic prohibition. And so this is what we call Divrei Kabbalah, and so even though in general, for rabbinic laws, if there's a, a questionable situation, if there's what we call a suffix, some sort of doubt, we are lenient. When it comes to Divrei Kabbalah, when it's rooted and sourced in the Torah, even though it's true that it's a rabbinic decree, but it's sourced and rooted in the Torah and in the Nevi'im, in the Prophets, so therefore we are more stringent in, in cases of doubt. So the rabbis created these, uh, these various prohibitions. Uh, so what's the source? And the idea behind it, as we're going to see, the, 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 the reason why they did it is because it was adding offense. It's there to add offense, so to make sure that you do not violate the, the Torah prohibition. And so they add these fences to say that you're not even allowed to marry uh, extended relatives. And the reason why they did it is because then if you don't marry extended relatives, you're not going to come to marry also... Uh, as a whole, as a society as a whole, uh, closer relatives to prevent the Torah prohibition of incest. So what's the source? The Gemara is going to have four different sources. And we're going to go through all four sources. 
Source number one. The verse in the Torah with regards to Arias, with regards to incest, says, for the people of the land committed all these abominations. But he uses the word specifically of Ha'el. Ha'el, these. Ha'el, kashos, mechlal, de'ikirakos, umay ninhushniyos. The verse says Ha'el as in, it's a, it's a language of that which is stronger. The implication is that they're also, meaning that the, anybody who violates these stronger commandments, the implication is that they're also more mild, less strict uh, uh, prohibitions. What are those referring to? Those are referring to the rabbinic ones. So that's the simon, that's the remez, the hint, the allusion to in the Torah of the fact that there are also rakos, that there are also more mild cases, meaning referring to the rabbinic prohibitions. So where asks, my who is it really true? What's the source that the word ha'el means that it is strong, that these are strong, grave prohibitions, which we then said that the implication is that there are also more mild ones referring to the rabbinic ones, but how do we know that el, the word el, is, means something which is strong and grave? It's based on a verse in Yecheskel. verse in Yecheskel says, the might of the land. So, ele, the word el, means might, strong. So now the Gemara questions this first source. The Gemara says, Maybe it seems to imply that Rava, who's, who's the one who said this first source, he's arguing on Rebbelevi. Why? What does Rebbelevi say? Rebbelevi says, The punishment for false measures, for lying in business, uh, through through false measures and th- false measurements to lie in business to the public is more severe. That punishment is more severe than the punishment for arias for illicit relations. Why? How, what's the source? How do we know this? Because when it comes to uh, lying in business and false measures, that the language he uses is ele with a hey, and that means strong, as opposed to when it says it by arias, it just says el. It doesn't say it ele with a hey at the end. It just says el. So Rebbe says that the punishment for lying in business and for false measures that is a stronger punishment. So that implies that the word el it doesn't mean strong. So it seems to be that Rava is arguing Rebbe So the Gemara says no. El kasha ve'ela kasha me'el. There's a there's a there's an order. The ele is stronger than el. It's more grave than el, which is why. Um, by false measures and lying in business, that is stronger. But L is, uh, the, the word L is still strong. It still means something which is grave. The Gemara then asks, now that we mentioned Rublevi, the Gemara then asks, so that's the answer to that question. And the Gemara now asks a side question on Rublevi. Rublevi said that the punishment for, uh, for, False measures is greater than the punishment for illicit relations. The Gemara says, "But But when it comes to rayos, when it comes to illicit relations in the Torah, it also uses the word ela. It also uses the word ela with the hey. So it it should be on the same level at least of of false measures. So the Gemara says, "No, that in, in in one aspect, illicit relations is stricter than than false measures. In which way?" In the sense that if uh, someone has 
illicit relations, so then they are deserving of karis. They get the punishment of karis of an early death. Uh, that's not the case when you lie in business, when you use false measures in business. That is not the case. You do not get karis. Sigmar asks, oh, if that's the stringency for arayos, for illicit relations, Ella, my chumrayu. So then in what way is false measures more severe than arayos? In what way is it more severe than illicit relations? So Sigmar answers, this is also going to bring us back to our Chagiga days, if you recall. Hani after b'tshuva, hani lo after b'tshuva. Well, the answer is as follows, that when it comes to illicit relations, there's a possibility for tshuva. You could do tshuva. Uh, when, it's, uh, when, you have, when a person violates uh, illicit relations, they have the possibility to repent. How could they repent? Uh, because they, they know exactly what they did, who they did it with, and they could repent. However, when it comes to false measures in business, and you, and you messed up, uh, you, you ruined, uh, uh, you, you took advantage of, of many people in the public, in the marketplace, and you don't even know who you took advantage of. You can't go back and you, you can't ask for forgiveness from each individual. You don't even know who. It was in the marketplace. It was in the public. So there's no possibility for tshuva. There's no possibility for repentance because in order to repent, uh, when you take advantage of somebody else, is that you have to go over to them, pay them back, and ask them for forgiveness. And that you can't do because you don't even know who it is that you took advantage of. You just you took advantage of so many people in the marketplace. So there's no possibility for tshuva. So if you call in Chagiga, we also said that there's no possibility for tshuva for illicit relations, for, uh, for, for incest. Why? Why is there no possibility for tshuva? Because if you have a child from that relationship, so then the child is a mamzer, and then that mamzer is essentially around forever. That, that mamzer is around forever. There's no possibility of complete tshuva, complete repentance, because that mamzer is around. And so that's why Rashi says, Rashi on the page says, he qualifies this, and he says that there's a possibility for tshuva, provided that uh, complete tshuva, complete repentance, provided that you do not have a child from this illicit relations. But if you do, so then that goes back to the Gemara Chagiga, which says that it's, it's impossible to have complete, you could do some tshuva, some repentance, but you can't have complete repentance because if that child is, is still around, so then that child is essentially staring at you in the face. Okay, let's go on in the Gemara. That's all source number one. So source number one comes from the word ha'el, that there's a stronger form of illicit relations, which is in the Torah, and then there's also a rabbinic form. Source number two, Rabbi Huda Amar Mehacha. Rabbi Huda says it's from here. Interesting source. V'izein v'chikir tikin mishalim harbe, referring to King Sh- uh, to Shlomo Amelach, King Solomon, and Kohelas, he writes of himself. And besides for being wise, Kohelas, referring to himself, also taught knowledge to the people, and he made handles. He made handles and sought out and arranged many Mishalim, many proverbs. So Rabbalazar says, What does it mean he made handles? Very interesting idea. It says that before Shlomo was around, the Torah was compared to a basket without handles. You couldn't, you didn't have these handles to, to hold it properly. The basket weren't able to hold the Torah properly. Once Shlomo comes, King Solomon comes, and he made the handles on the basket so that you're able to hold the basket properly. And so, this is the source for the idea of Shinios, and that Shlomo goes back all the way to Shlomo, to King Solomon. That he made the decree, some of the decrees of Arayos, of 
the rabbinic prohibitions. And that goes back, all the way back to Shlomo. He made a few decrees. Shlomo made a few decrees. And one of them is the decree, the rabbinic prohibition of Arias, to create a certain fence around Arias. Okay, that is source number two. Just one point on source number two. Shlomo Melch was, if you read, go through Nevi'im, if you go through, uh, through the prophets, um, so you'll see that Shlomo Melch, he's a king who really, he tries to uh, include everybody. He's outside. He's, he's worldly. He's very worldly. He has relationships with many, many different, uh, kings from other countries. And he's somebody who really plays a role in the outside world. Uh, he's the king of the Jewish people, but he plays a role with, uh, with many nations of the world. And it's specifically him who makes these rabbinic decrees because he knows that if he's going to, he's going to extend himself out, the more you extend yourself out. So then the more you have to safeguard, you have to create fences for yourself. And so it was specifically Shlomo, it was specifically King Solomon who made uh, many of, some of these uh, rabbinic decrees. And he's the one who created these handles that you have to, as you go further out uh, into the world and there are more situations where it you have to deal with which uh, have the potential to violate the Torah so then you have to create more fences for yourself and it was specifically Shlomo who made these fences for himself and he made these uh, rabbinic decrees which also leads to another point that as we're going to see that one of the we're going to see another source which says that the rabbis have the ability to make a rabbinic decree uh, to create fences. Again, all this is to create fences, that the more that the rabbis add on various prohibitions, it's not there to uh, to ruin our lives, it's not there to make it harder for us, but it's really there to help us, to help safeguard, to help protect us from violating the Torah laws. Uh, but uh, I've, I've seen that with regards to one of these sources, that they say that it's not just the rabbinic laws that we have to keep, but we, each person individually, has to create fences for themselves. That if they know that they're weak in certain areas, so then they have to create various fences for themselves as well. And so it's not just on a communal level, on a on a nationwide level, but it's also on a personal level. Okay, that is source number two. Rabbi Osha Amar Mehachar. Rabbi Osha says that this is the source. Pira'ehu al-Tavar bo avor. The Pasuk says in Mishlei, uh, with regards to the path of the wicked, reject it. Reject it. But it uses a language specifically of pira'ehu, that reject it meaning by, it uses a language to increase. That the way you reject the path of the wicked is by increasing. By increasing what? By increasing fences. That you have to create more and more fences. Amarvashi, mashal dirab oshia lamaha So Ravashi says, what's a good analogy for this? But the whole point of the rabbinic decrees is really to create fences. And he says, what is this comparable to? To a person, if they stand on the outside of, a, of their orchard, that they're protecting their orchard, they're going to protect it completely if they stand on the outside. But if they stand on the, if they guard it from the inside, they can only guard that which is in front of them. They won't guard that which is behind them. So let us create a, a greater fence. Let us guard it from the outside so that we can protect the entire field. So the Gemara rejects the analogy and they say, what are you talking about? It's not correct. At least when you're inside the orchard, you could guard and protect that which is in front of you. 
But if we don't have these rabbinic decrees of arayos, of illicit relations, so then you're not even going to be able to protect that which is in front of you. You're gonna, people are going to violate the actual arayos themselves, the actual incest on a Torah level themselves. And so therefore it's even more, it's more than what Ravashi was saying, that if we don't have the rabbinic fences, if the rabbinic decrees which create fences, so then a person's not just going to violate their, uh, that which is behind them, but they'll also violate that which is in front of them, they'll violate the rabbinic the, the Torah decrees, the Torah laws as well. So that is source number three. And finally, source number four. Rav Kahana Amar Mehacha. Rav Kahana says it's from here. The verse says, the Torah says, in the context of Arayos, of, of illicit relations from the Torah level, you shall safeguard my charge. That you have to create a safeguard to my Torah. Create a safeguard at offense. So, the Gemara says, Yosef, This seems to imply that this is a Torah law. You just quoted me a Torah Pasuk, a Pasuk, a verse from the Torah. That implies that this is a Torah law, not a rabbinic law, to create a safeguard. So the Gemara says, no, It's a Torah law, but the rabbis interpreted it, uh, saying exactly what it is, the various cases. But the Gemara says, Kol Torah, nami <laughs> What does that mean? The entire Torah is Torah verses with the rabbis interpreting it, but yet it's, it's still because the rabbis have the ability to interpret it, and it's still a Torah law. It's not just an illusion, but it's a Torah law. So this seems to imply that the concept of, of shneos, of of uh, arayos, of illicit relations on a rabbinic level, is not really rabbinic. It sounds like it's a Torah law. Sigmar concludes, and it says, no, what we mean to say is that it's rabbinic, but this is a rabbinic way of just creating a some sort of support. It's not literally the Torah uh, understanding of this pasuk, of this verse, but it's the rabbis using this verse as, as an as an illusion, as a as some sort of support to their decree. That so they say assume mishmaris mishmarti. One last point, and then we'll conclude. Uh, the Ramban Nachmanides says, "What right do the rabbis have to add on laws to the Torah? We know that there's a Torah prohibition of baltos. If you're not allowed to add on to the Torah, there's a there's a there's a Torah law that says you're not allowed to add on to the Torah. You're not allowed to add mitzvahs to the Torah. So the answer is based on this verse of assume mishmaris mishmarti that." The rabbis they only have the right to add on if it's cre- if it's safeguarding if it's creating offense to the Torah. If you're creating offense to the Torah and you know that that you're creating offense to the Torah, that's allowed. But to add on other mitzvahs to the Torah, that is not allowed. And so Moshe finds he says that's why it's very important to know what is a rabbinic law, what is a Torah law. If you think a rabbinic law is a Torah law, so then that's a violation of Baltosif. That's a violation of adding on to the Torah. So we have to know what is the Torah law and what are the various fences that the rabbis created to protect and safeguard the Torah law. But it's important to know that, otherwise one is in violation of Baltosef, of adding on to the Torah. This concludes all the sources. In the next couple of recordings, we will discuss uh, the specific prohibitions that the rabbis created.